Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Nashika Caesar. And coming up over the next 90 minutes, Vice President Dr. Mahmoudou Baumia sails safely into the safety zone of the NPP's internal primaries on the hands for a flag bearer. We hear from the weekend's winners and losers. Also coming up, do you see yourself connected with the, the, the tape just heard? My voice is there. Apart for Commander Asari, there was one man also later joined, called Commander C.O.P. Uh, Mensa. NPP stalwart Daniel Bugri Nabu confirms his voice was in that leaked audio in which there was a thick plot to remove IGP Dr. Ekufo Dampari. And later on Eyewitness News, President Akufado launches phase two of the Planting for Food and Jobs program. We'll hear from his new Minister for Agriculture, Noble Brian Achampong. Stay with 97.3 CTF for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. There's also business. Government's Treasury Bill auction oversubscribed <coughs> by 5.63% as interest rate rises to hit 31.24%. That's in 15 minutes from the business desk of CTFM and CDTV. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations across the country. We are on SCAP 101.3 FM in Nakpanduri in the Northeast region. We are on Upper East Region's Source 100.1 FM in Boko. We are in Upper West on West Link 88.1 FM in Laura. We are in Northern Region on Diamond 93.7 FM in Tamale. We are in the Volta Region on Global 105.1 FM in Ho and Adanu 107.7 FM in Adakluwaya. In the Ashanti Region, we are on Alpha Radio 104.9 FM in Kumasi. Orange 107.9 FM also in Kumasi. In Ahafo, we are on Hames Radio 106.5 in Gorso. Take us to the Bono region. We are in Greener, 95.9 FM in Suyani. In the Western region, Premier, 100.5 FM in Takradi. Sky Power, 93.5 FM in Takradi, as well as Beach, 105.5 FM also in Takradi. We are live across the world on citynewsroom.com. We are on DSTV. We are on YouTube and we are on Facebook. And we are interactive on Twitter, also known as X. The hashtag to use is citynewsroom. Tweet at Umaru Sanda. Or at City973. On WhatsApp, the number is 0549-986-996. Let's settle for details of our stories now. And the first one has to do with a big story that has been running all weekend. The New Patriotic Party went to the polls to elect a flag bearer. Well, five out of four, ten were supposed to be chosen ahead of the November 4 election. At the end of the day, the party... Uh, grassroots chose six out of ten there was a tie now the party is yet to decide how it's going to deal with that issue uh, between francis adai nimo of uh, mampong and chemantia jacun of the somania area the two tied having nine votes each meanwhile dr mahmoud baumia in a very very comfortable lead 
followed by the guy who just showed up in the race, race as recently as last year, Kennedy Ohenye Japan, followed by the man who used to be the cash man in town, Alan Cash, coming three. But there are others who were on the race or in the race hoping to win. Tonight we're going to speak to some of them. One of them who could not make it to the top five or top six is once press secretary of former president John Ejekum Kofor. He was general secretary of the New Patriotic Party, the Honorable Kwabna Ejepong. He's joining us on the line. You're welcome to Eyewitness News, sir. Thank you very much, uh, Sander. Things didn't go as planned. Um, have you done a post-mortem? What happened? Well, um, yes, it is exactly true, as you said. I was expecting to be in the top five. Um, all the polls were suggesting I was going to be four, but at the end of the day, it's when the ballots are counted that you can say um, the people have really decided. And uh, I, uh, we went into this election with a with a vision to lead our country, and that's as one of the ten aspirants. We knew this was the first day to shortlist five for the main election in November. I was very confident, worked very hard. Um, so it, it, I don't like normally to ascribe reasons to results. At the end of the day, we had a very well-run election. The Elections Committee of the Party and the Electoral Commission conducted it very well. Everywhere the reports I got from my agent. It was a simple walk-in process. Identify yourself, you vote. And so I think that the electorate involved voted the way that they wish to vote. So once they've been able to express their wishes, and uh, the vote has been cast. Unfortunately, I could not make the cut. Um, but that's what it is. I am an eternal Democrat. You accept these things um, as they happen. Before you go into an election, you have to prepare yourself emotionally. And you have to be strong, mental strength, and then also have what we call emotional intelligence. You've got to be able to prepare yourself for either outcomes because there's no middle way. It's either you are a part of it or you are not a part of it. Unfortunately, as you rightly said, I... I didn't garner enough votes to be in the first five. So that's what it is. You didn't garner enough votes to be in the first five. And the votes you garnered, I don't even know if I should call them votes. And forgive me, I've not contested elections at a national scale before. But were you at any point, did you at any point think you were going to get votes that were going to be so few that you can actually count them with your eyes closed? Well, it happens uh, quite a bit in politics in MPP, in elections in MPP. Normally, the top two get most of the votes. And then the rest of us would have the the little numbers, as they may call it. At the end of the day, I, I believe the competition afforded me the opportunity to get logged in again with the party base, to interact with them, provided me the opportunity to get into the 16 regional capitals, have what I call dialogue and uh, town hall meetings, opening remarks to share my vision, which was to let them know that where we are as a country, it is time for us to usher in a new dawn of politics on the political landscape in this country. We need to re-engineer our understanding of governance, our understanding of party politics, and essentially we have to be anchored by what I call the triple S, service, sacrifice, and selflessness. So I think I was happy to be able to 
have that discussion with them that we need to change track as a country, um, introduce a lot of austerity in what we do, reduce the size of government, cut down on spending, and also live within our means. I do believe that my message resonated positively across board. All the reviews I've heard from academics, from social media, from CSOs, and many stakeholders in the country, I appreciate that perhaps my message was considered the best, but it did not translate into votes. So that's something that for the researchers to find out why it happened that way. It's interesting my, because... My, my role as an as Go a ahead. politician is just to accept the result and move on. I am a party that um, I'm, I'm very motivated by service to this political tradition. I've given my youth, my entire youth from the time of 1992 to, to now to serve this political tradition. And I respect the, the, the decision of the party, and that's what it is. Right now, we're just looking on for the general electorate of 200,000 um, voters to elect the, the leader. And once they do so, once someone emerges, my duty is to serve my party. I hope that whoever emerges will take quite a bit of what I've put out as my six-point plan to, to, to rescue the country, Ghana. So um, I'll be very glad. I mean, right now, I'll be very glad if the one who comes out as winner identifies with some of the ideals that I stand for, the virtues and the principles that uncle this political tradition, and that has ensured our sustenance for the last 63 or so years of this country's independence. So I am very um, at peace with myself. Um, it was good to have contested. I've had the opportunity to have these many interviews around the country. I My only disappointment was that the press did not push for a debate, a public nationwide debate of the 10 aspirants. Because I do believe that Ghanaians deserve to know what our plans are. And that it should have been tested us on our priorities, our differences, and, uh, you know, our ways of solving the economic problems, the social problems, and the political problems we face as a country. But it doesn't matter. We have arrived at this first stage, and unfortunately, I could not make the cut. I will still be a strong advocate for a new politician in Ghana for people to recognize that we go into politics to serve. We go out there, and then we should care for one another, one for all, all for one, to have a broad view of how things should work in our country and look for the collective welfare of society, and especially those underprivileged in society. That is why we run for office, and people running for office should be public-spirited, have the empathy to feel for those who do not have, and uh, it's not about self-aggrandizement. It's not about government pecs or enjoying and showing that off. It's about service to the needy. It's about service to the people. So I'll continue to be an advocate for that. And uh, I will not stop my advocacy for Ghana. And I do believe that we should always place Ghana first above, above anything else. Because mm. political parties are vehicles for development. They are not an end in themselves. So this obsession with just taking power and you and your party taking over the spoils of war, I don't think that's the direction we should go as a country. And therefore, there's a time for us now to reinvent ourselves, to recalibrate our values, to restore us to what put us together as a cohesive national country, doesn't matter where we come from, but to identify our Ghanaian-ness, 
and be patriotic. That is what drives me. So I'm at peace with myself. The delegates have selected the, the top five. I wish them well. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll be looking on from the outside. But mm. I'll, I've been talking to all of them. I've, I've spoken to Alan Shemate. I've spoken to Kennedy Japan. I called Dr. Baumia yesterday morning to congratulate him on his uh, first round victory. And I'll be speaking to people who share my views. And if our views collide, and at least... Uh, uh, a percentage, a good percentage of it, my six-point plan, then I'm likely to gyrate towards that kind of person. But at mm. the end of the day, whoever the party elects, I am duty-bound to support the par- the party's candidate so that we can give ourselves an enhanced opportunity to win that elusive third electoral victory. I see. These NDs, MPP delegates, a few years ago, voted for you to be general secretary, to remove a sitting general secretary at the time. What has changed? Is it the case that the game has changed or Kwabnai Japan has become maybe too old for the game and possibly, <laughs> you know, he is no well, more his time, I, you are out I, of I, the I, game? I, I think you should understand that having been sidelined or out of the front line for close to eight years. That's a pretty long time, even um, from 2015 to 2023. And there are a lot of people who are now voters who were kids, you know, so it's, it's quite a bit of time. And, and so therefore, for me to come out and be able to make the kind of impression I've been able to make on the national consciousness, I think it's in my in my own view, I think I have won a, a moral victory. It, it's given me the opportunity, especially, to dispel a lot of doubts in the minds of certain people. But I knew I was running from behind. And I've, I think I've made a point. Um, those difficult discussions that Ghanaians normally shy away from. And I think we need to create a new culture of, of politicians, even if. You belong to a political party, and there are things happening that you are not happy with. You should have the courage to come out and, and speak about it with good intentions, with good motives. That, that for me, is, is I know I've, I've, I've made a few um, co- comments about what is happening to the economy, and some of our party people have been uncomfortable with it, but it was out of good intentions for us to restore our economy back to health. That is what should be the concern of all genuine patrons like myself. So I have no regrets at all. And I think I have the major role to play in this political tradition going forward. Even when I was still on suspension, the president found it worthy to invite me to lead his campaign in the re-election in 2020. So people recognize the skills that I bring to the table. So they know that I've worked for this party with all the leaders that from a Dubois-Henning's time, in those difficult days when it was life-risking to be identified with the MPP, I, as a young man, was prepared to sacrifice my uh, development as a professional engineer just to be able to serve my political party. Serve President Kufo uh, for close to six years as his press secretary, and he rewarded me with an order of Volta officer category in 2008. So I've given my bit to this country, and I'll continue to do that. I want to inspire the youth. I want the political environment to be populated by well-intentioned, public-spirited Ghanaians. So the noise levels will go down, the acerbic tongues will go down, as they say, the babies with sharp teeth 
will disappear and we will have a sanitized political environment. We are the ones who should be encouraging people. We should be inspiring the younger generation to aspire to become politicians like ourselves. By the way we conduct ourselves, the civility, the decorum, the respect that we have for one another. And I worry sometimes the political atmosphere is being dominated by people who don't have respect for the virtues and the values of this political tradition. So I'll continue my advocacy. And uh, I'm a a former general secretary of the party, so um, I have a role to play to fashion how this country should move. And I think it is time for us to draw a line in the sand as Ghanaian and evaluate our understanding of service to the country and service to the public. It is very important that should anchor and that should be the motivating factor for all young politicians and we should hold government's feet to the fire to make sure that whatever decisions they take, how they run the government, they do not take the mandate that people have bestowed in them for granted. And even if you are, it's my government that is in power or my party that is in power, it is my sacred duty to make sure that they do the right thing for the development of mm. our country. Th- These comments you make are interpreted by some to be anti-party. They say that Kwame Jepong uh, feels is bigger than the New Patriotic Party. In fact, he is not involved. He is not a team player. When he was General Secretary, accusations or allegations, he refused to hang Akufado's, you know, was a word, frame in his office and all of those things. When it came to selling <laughs> forms, he would not give forms to people to run. Do you think these things came back to bite you or they are not true? That is never true. I mean, in fact, this opportunity that I had to go around the country has exposed those who orchestrated my illegal and unjustifiable removal. And the party people know that they have suffered for it. You understand? So in this country, when you are you are firm, you are tough, and you, you speak your mind, um, sometimes you are misunderstood. You are said to be arrogant and uncooperative. But I am a stickler for discipline. And I want to do what is right by my conscience and for the good people of Ghana and for my party. I was the general secretary that enabled all the 275 constituencies to have bank accounts. Because I felt that when you want to put through resources that they require to work, it has to go directly to the base. Because I believe all politics is local. And that, that happened. And since then, they've seen the advantage that it brought. You understand? So... I am straightforward. There are people who were comfortable with me because I'm, I'm frank, I'm, I'm honest, I'm the kind of person, what I say is what I mean, no tricks, no frills, and I'm less liable to be manipulated. And I think all presidents and all leaders need straight-talking, honest people around them to look them in the eye sometimes when they are going off the track. And you know, admonish them. It's very important. Checks and balances in government. That is the role of political parties. The fact that your party is in power does not equate the party to the government. The party's role is to make sure that the government does what is right by the people of Ghana. And that's how come every president in this fourth republic has respected the convention that a party's general secretary and the chairman, they sit in cabinet. It's not in any constitution. It's not in any law, but they do recognize that it is the party that gives best to the government. So 
that has been my view. I think that our party, characterized from the, the beginning, the likes of B.J. Zarocha, uh, Peter Alajete, Alaji Bin Saleh, tough, tough debates. And sometimes they just chose to respectfully disagree with one another. But it was healthy for the development of our town our country and our party. That's what I want to see. We we should stop creating cult figures in Ghanaian politics. It does not work for us. We can ask the CPP what has happened to them. Because all their organization was centered around one person, Dr. Nkoma, and since his demise, they haven't been able to stand the test of time. That is not what we stand for as MPP. Very well. So you keep re- using the phrase new politician. You talk about speaking your mind, even if it has to hurt your party. I believe that sounds like a maverick. In fact, looking at the field, the one who has been considered a maverick amongst the Lord would be your namesake, Ejepong. And I mean the other Ejepong, Kennedy. He came second. Um, would he be the new politician you are talking about? Or when you say new politician, no, no, you are referring to a different no, no. type of new politician. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about all of us Ghanaians. Because I mentioned politicians, because they get the mandate of the people to run the country. But every one of us, you the journalists especially, you are referred to as the fourth estate of the realm. You've got to assess the role that you play. They, you know, Some have become mercenary. Just they are there, you know, on the take and doing people's bidding. Is that what you're supposed to do? No. Whether you're a doctor, whether you're an engineer in the ministry, you don't have to set yourself up with a company and award contracts to yourself. And things are happening that way around the country. Whether you're a farmer, whichever role that you play in this country, you should recognize that you have a contribution to make to the development of our country. Look around the world. Our peers like Malaysia and Singapore and the Asian Tigers, and even in Japan after the World War, when they were brought to their knees, it took the dedication, the sacrifice of the leaders. It wasn't about themselves. It was about society, how we build society. So we need a critical mass of public-spirited individuals at the helm of affairs in our country. And I'm going to continue to be that voice of the conscience of our country, to, to push more people to understand that public service is exactly what it is, service to the public, you understand. So um, it is not about attacking. No, it's not attacking. It's setting the record straight, behaving properly, having civility and decorum. Not Politics is not all about razzmatazz, okay? And it's also not a popularity contest. And it is not a shouting match. You understand? So I want decency so that people, what we need now, deep thinking leaders with intellectual capacity to bring something to bear. And we need to to attract the best human resource in our country into politics. Right now, what we are trying to do, people talk about politics as if it's an area that you can speak all the lies you like, spew all the garbage, just because it is politics. They will say it was on a political platform. I disagree with that notion and that standpoint. I think politics should be decent. Like Lee Kuan Yew said, we should attract the best human resource in our country into politics so that they can manage our affairs for us. It is politics that takes all the major decisions for the rest of the country. It's the welfare of the 31 million people. And decisions 
decide whether we live or die. You understand? So it's a very serious matter. I don't want politics to be trivialized the way sometimes on air. People just trivialize politics. You know, we all respect a little bit of humor, have a laugh here and there. But the lives of Ghanaians, very important. And we have to attach a lot of seriousness to politics. So the kind of pedestrian discussions that I hear, you know, all over the place. And I think the media has a big role to get the society back on track and talk about the things that matter to society. Look, right now, it's not only political problems that we have. We have serious social issues that we don't even discuss. These days, we don't even discuss family planning anymore. You understand? But when there's a population explosion, it brings untold hardships on central government treasury and then suffering. And so you look at our human settlements, and of course, coming from a technical background as a civil engineer, look at how Ghanaians live. And the lack of uh, compliance with rules and regulations and, and the, the special planning and all that. It's chaotic assembly of things happening. And so the human settlements have not been regulated properly. All these things need serious change. So if you look at my six-point plan, I talked about urban regeneration and rural development. Mm. I talked about compliance, quality control, quality assurance okay. in all aspects of our national life. So we have a lot of work to do as Ghanaian. Okay. And we need our leaders to be focused. We need the media to be focused, right, asking the right question, and then having the difficult conversations that people are shying away from and uh, putting okay. pressure on those of us who aspire to lead, to lead by example for the rest of our country. So let me just, by, by concluding, ask you the right question which would inquire or, ex or require you to give a difficult answer. If it came to it, out of the six who are at the top now, your six voters came to you and said, Daddy, show us the way. Who would you back? Who would you ask them to vote for? See, um, <laughs> you know that votes are supposed to be secret. That's why we voted. But you can encourage them to vote for one of the the six that I, you I believe. I gave, I, I gave you an inkling. I, I got it, but I just wanted a name. I, I gave out, you an inkling. I, I wanted no, no, a name. No, I, I, there's no point just throwing out a name. What is so so you're not throwing support whoever, against it behind any of them. I want to share, you know, I eventually will guide direct towards. Has to be someone who is on the same wavelength with me, not in entirety, but who looks at my six-point plan and says, oh, three or four of it, I think I share this similar view. So discussions are ongoing. I mean, for now, I'm out, so I stay out and look inside from outside. But I know all the, the top three. As I said, I've spoken to Dr. Baumia, I've spoken to Alan Chermating, I've spoken to Kennedy Ejapo. Would you support Dr. Baumia? Well, I, I say I've spoken to all three of them. I know. I just want to know. If... I, I know. <laughs> I know all of them. What is important is I have a policy platform. There are things that I believe in, and I just hope that the eventual winner who emerges will identify with some of these things that, in my honest view, will inure to the benefit of Ghana. Very well. Let's leave it here. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Eh? Thank you very much, Imaru Sandan. Have a nice day and greetings to all your listeners countrywide. You too. That's Engineer Kobna Ejepon. He's a former, uh, well, he was one of the uh, flag bearer aspirants of the new patriotic party who went to the polls this weekend. He, though, 
could not make it to be in the top five. Uh, if you're just uh, returning from um, Papua New Guinea or you've been under a rock and do not know what happened, well, Dr. Mahmoud Baumia pulled 629 votes. The one after him, Kennedy Japan 132 votes. The one after Alan Kojo Chamantin, 95 votes. After that, we have Usu Efri Akoto with 36 votes. Then we have a tie. Boache Jakun, 9 votes. Francis Adainimo, 9 votes. The next is Kwabna Japan, 6 votes. After that, we have Jogati from Esikado Ketang, a friend of Eyewitness News, who pulled 4. Was very confident ahead of the election. Pulled 4 votes. Then Kojo Poku, the new guy on the block, relatively unknown, three votes. And Kofi Konedo Apreko, who served in the Kufuor government, was in the contest since the 90s, polling nothing, which is also known as zero. Kojo Poku, like I said, pulled three votes. He joined us on the line. You're welcome to Eyewitness News. Good evening, my brother. How are you? I'm doing well, far, far, far better than you. To be honest... Is this Sander? Yes, this is Sander. How can you be doing better than me? I'm on cloud nine. How can you be better than me? No, you definitely are not on cloud nine. You spent so much I money seeking nine, to be voted for. You 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 pulled three. The whole Ghana. Yeah. Only three yeah. votes. No, it wasn't the whole Ghana. It was 955 people, my brother. I wasn't the whole Ghana. That's still a big, big, big number. You pulled only three. That's very... Well, Poultry is a smaller... I mean, is a better word to use for your votes okay. than you some, have. Some people... You know, some people voted twice because they were... They, they vote. Some of the candidates vote. I don't vote. So some of the candidates who vote for themselves and also had a proxy voted twice. So if you look at my three, three are three individuals who voted for me. Okay, that's for me a, a plus. At least three people within that believe in me. Truth is, no one gave you a dog's chance, but to have beaten Kofi Konedo Apreku is a big deal for you. So I think congratulations are in order. But I do not think you expected to have... It's a big deal for everybody. But I do not think you expected to do this terribly, did you? Um, I didn't do terrible. I didn't expect to get three. But I, I don't think it's terrible. You know what? It's an internal election. And for every internal election, you go out there and you sell your message within the policy. Um, what do you tell them you expect that they expect to um, believe in your message and they will now say that, look, we'll vote for you. Everybody basically go out there and tell them what they want to hear and they would basically decide on what they've heard. On the day, I, Kujopoku, had only one message. My message was, I come with warm heart and friendliness. I come with relationship, two-way communication. I don't think politics is about use and dump. I don't think politics is about when you are trying to get someone to lend a helping hand, nobody's minding you. I, Kojupoku, want to change that in politics. I want to be your friend. I want to be the guy you can call and I'll come to your aid whenever you need it. Others had their own message. On the day, only three people decided that they want that warm heart. They want that relationship. They want to be able to call me and I'll come to their aid. So I'll take it like that. Going forward, if I ever want to now do this thing again, I will have to strategize. And basically decide that is my message the what the uh, delegates want, or I have to basically change my message and um, basically uh, be um, have a message like the others. I'll do my research, find out what these guys did that I did not do, and the next time round I'll be able to go out there and perform better. 
But for my first rodeo, I think I have done well. I'm very happy with myself. Who are you going to support in the November 4 elections? I am going to support someone, but I don't vote. So if I just say that I'm supporting it's of no good to that person. I need to do consultation. You know, when me and you spoke some time ago, I told you that my biggest strength before all these things came up was the superdelegate. My biggest strength is um, electoral area coordinators and um, polling station executives. Because all my reps around the country, that is why they were calling me KMP, the voice of the youth. Because I started, I started off with the local, what do you call it, the grassroots, which is the electoral area coordinators and the polling station executives. Now, I need to go to them and say that, look, Unfortunately, we couldn't make it through the hurdle where I will come to you and you we can show the whole world how popular we are. Um, I need to find them. I need to find out from them who they are comfortable with, okay? And I'll take guidance from those people. And if they direct that, look, we are comfortable working with you with this person, in two weeks, I'll have done that consultation and I'll come out and tell the whole world who me and the KMP fans are supporting. Kojo Nsafuapoku, thank you so much for speaking to us and wish you all the best. Thank you, Sandra. And um, let's talk more. Don't be a stranger. I'll try not to be a stranger. But hey, are you going to call the people who voted for you and say thank you? Just three phone calls. It'll be enough. Oh, uh, me and them have already spoken. And, do you uh, know them? Do you know who voted for you? Yes, I, yes, I did. Yes, I did. I did. Are they I did. across or at the same center? Oh, no. I got one in OT. I got one in the West Central region and I got one in the Western North. And I know who they are. How do you trust that they actually they were the ones who voted for you? My dear. Did they take they photos of the ballot and send to you or something? No, there was nobody who was taking photos. You see, um, the beauty of the KMP campaign is that we we, we know those that we felt that there's going to be that relationship and we know those that were going to follow. And those that we know were going to stick to the relationship from day one were the ones that we know did the work. And there was only three of them. But I, like I said, all we could have gotten more and we only hope we could have gotten more in the part of the fight. But hey, like they have told my friends that look, he's a guy that we are grooming, and that was a message that was being given to the delegates that oh, Kojo is a good brain, Kojo is a good material, but don't waste a vote on him now because we are grooming him for the future. Let's concentrate on the old ones now that they are uh, ahead, you know. So like, let's stick to that word of um, I'm, I'm the guy they are grooming for the future, and everybody's calling me that look, you are the face of the MPP for the future, and I think it's a big encouragement that i'm seen as the future of the party very well wish you all the best and thanks for speaking to us thank you my brother. that's he was one of the 10 persons who were on the field for the new patriotic party seeking to hold the flag of the party the november 4th uh, is the next time the party will be converging uh, to decide who ultimately bears a flag for it now there's this issue of uh, who places faith um, the Francis Adainimo and Chamante Jaku both pulled nine votes, and they were so there's a tie. The party we are told has to take a decision. In fact, we're told by the laws of the party, a decision would have to be taken where they would go back to Congress uh, for that tie to be broken. But we've also picked up information uh, from a very, very, very deep throat source within the New Patriotic Party, people who are very familiar with the electoral process, and we are told that the party, when it meets uh, on Wednesday, may make an announcement or will make an announcement that the six candidates will all be fielded uh, for the November 4 election. So there will be no need to hold another election for a tiebreaker. Instead, all six will be on the ballot instead of 
five for the next primaries of the new patriotic party this is eyewitness news we'll be back with more please stay eyewitness news be there as it happens let your voice be heard on eyewitness news on facebook at facebook.com forward slash city 97.3 twitter at twitter.com forward slash city 973 and instagram at instagram.com forward slash city 973 with the hashtag eyewitness news you welcome back. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. The New Patriotic Party went to the polls this weekend to uh, slash down the number of uh, candidates that it has uh, hoping to be flag bearer of the party. The party currently has six persons outstanding, even though it was looking for five. What is the way out in that particular uh, situation? Plus, what's the general assessment of the uh, conduct? Evans Nimaku is Director of Research and Elections at the New Patriotic Party Headquarters. He is a member of the Elections Committee of the party as well. Mr. Nimaku, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you for having me. Now, we've had complaints about uh, intimidation. We've had complaints about money being shared. We've had complaints about persons who are agents having to run away from centers. Some of these complaints came from the Allen camp. Some came from uh, the Kennedy Japan camp. From the party headquarters, as you received information and did your own assessment, What's the verdict on your on your electoral process this weekend? Thank you once again. I must say the New Patriotic Party Presidential Elections Committee is most grateful to all key stakeholders, especially you, the media. Uh, you you do your best to bring diverse uh, views on all issues coming up. What we went through last Saturday, I would say, has been largely successful due to the fact that the committee constructively engaged our presidential candidates and their agents, the Electoral Commission and Ghana Police Service, as well as with the media. In the course of the conduct of this internal election, mainly the family affairs, largely successful. However, you face some low points coming an engagement by some of our party members. The committee starts today as part of the review arrangement, and we are extending invitation to all our presidential candidates and all their assigned, and all those who engage the media with some concern, so that we can have balanced, view on all issues that came up. Out of which the committee will submit its official report to the National Council. Mind you, the Presidential Elections Committee is a product of National Council. We don't exist on our own. We draw our mandate from the party's constitution as well as the terms of reference handed over to us by the National Council. And so, some of the issues that you have mentioned, the committee is not in hurry to pass judgment, but rather wait and engage all sides of the coin, and then make recommendations to the National Council of the Party. What about the issue of the tie? Uh, is that something that you cannot easily determine? Because we are told your law is black and white it's clear are you going to implement that or 
even though your law says there should be a rerun within a week, you may still have a different outcome. Yes, I mean the the the, the presidential elections committee drawing uh, its uh, attention to the party's constitution, Article 13, that talks about the election of the presidential candidate. Uh, we look at 1319 states where there are more than five. You need to have special electoral college. At the end of the exercise, the result given us by the electoral commission after the coalition is that we've had the first four, but the fifth position is tied. The guidelines of the committee was that in an event of tie, there will be a runoff to untie. This is going to be a report that the committee will submit to the National Council. So we will await for the 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 decision from the National Council, which is the second highest decision making body apart from the National Conference of the Party. And so for us as a committee, we will have to do the rerun to untie the fifth position which had Mr. Adai Nimo and Mr. Uh, and this meeting, uh, we are told, is going to be on Wednesday, correct? The National Executive Committee and National Council Committee, which is uh, in the notice of the members of the committee, is an emergency meeting sanctioned by the National Chairman in conformity with the party's constitution. But for us as a committee, we've always engaged our stakeholders the key ones, of course, and in this case, our presidential candidates. So we've extended the invitation to them to meet with them together as a body and hear them out, and also to proceed to hear those who had raised concerns and had issues. And when you listen to them and listen to those who had concerns, we put all together to be part of the report that will be submitted to the National Council of the Party. Very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Eh? Thank you. And God bless you all. God bless you too. That's Evans Nimaku, is Director of Elections and Research at the New Patriotic Party. Head of his Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Zilis Dwayne in London has sent a message. He says, Alan will be the flag bearer of NPP on the 4th of November. Jones Adubwe in La uh, says, um, majority of the super delegates are government appointees and others I've also benefited in various forms uh, from the government. Let's wait for the larger electoral college because I can assure you that every prediction will be useless for now. No matter whoever wins, the value will be the same. Bad economy, corruption, etc. Jerry of Bawe says, Kwebeleje Point is an ideal candidate for the presidency of Ghana. He's clean, straightforward, outspoken, disciplined, visionary, and above all, God-fearing. May he continue to be the conscience of our political space. Babamu in Tamale Says kudos to Mr. Kennedy Japon, no, um, KAA Japon, so Kwabna AJ Japon, for expressing his views. Indeed, he has demonstrated maturity and his love for the party is superb. Congratulations once to uh, DMB and his campaign team, who solidly behind him to break the eight. Matthew, uh, the love doctor in, uh, doctor in Abeka, says, All we want is betterment of the country, not who is first or last of MPP aspirants. By the way, you're welcome. Thank you to Prof. T. Uh, or Prof. in Tema says, breaking the tie between Ejaku and Adai Nimo uh, doesn't sound logical. The people who didn't vote for them but chose their preferred candidate are being asked to go and vote to break the tie. How?
Um, that's a message that you are asking and a question. This eyewitness news on 97.3 City FM. Still ahead, we'll be hearing from the Minister of Agriculture, uh, the Honorable Brian Champong, on the phase two of the planting for food and jobs that has been launched. We'll also be hearing from the Bugri Nabu Committee in Parliament. It starts today and heard from him. What has he been saying? We hear from him plus an assessment from the committee itself. Please stay with us. Uh, for now, though, Nashika has a summary of other stories the City Newsroom has been following now. Right, Sandra, the founder of the defunct United Progressive Party, Akwesia Dayodike, says he's been vindicated by the distillment of four chiefs by the Asantehene over their alleged involvement in illegal mining. In August 2022, the Kumasi Traditional Council criticized Adai Odike after he alleged the involvement of chiefs in Galamsey. In an interview with City News, Akwesia Dayodike affirmed that a recent actions taken by the Utumufo validate his previous remarks. Today, Utufo say to two, actions buttress my initial assertion that it is the chiefs who are being used to destroy our environment through land degradation and water pollution. And that time, um, they, they misconstrue my claims. But when Utumfo came from his um, um, visit, he has distilled almost five. Um, I think four as of now. And what was the reason? Failures. What, what was the reason? I'm asking you. Well, I am not in Ashanti region, and probably you are, you, you, you are privy to much more information than I do. What was the reason? For distilling them that you have heard. What I heard was that it was in the in the one of the newspapers that um, they were distilled because of their direct involvement in Galamse activities. Now the truth always stands. And I, I whenever we, we hear ODK talking, it's about the truth. It is about the security of this nation. It is about the future of our people. So that thing happened a year ago, and, and, and exactly a year almost, I should put it that way. Do you feel vindicated? What, what do you feel for me? I'm not in your shoes. <laughs> of course, yes, and I'm happy. I'm walking my head high because... What they nearly killed me. They hired um, um, tax to come and kill me in my office in Kumasi. And it was all over. CNN captured everything. And today, if I were to be in my grave, it is exactly one year. Akwesia Diodike is the founder of the defunct United Progressive Party. Away from that, the Greater Accra region has witnessed a low turnout on the first day of the National Identification Authority, NIA's limited registration and issuance of Ghana cards in eight regions. The exercise, which started today, is expected to run for 10 days. Speaking to City News, the regional registration officer of the NIA, Otridak, was hopeful turnout will improve in the subsequent days of the registration.
Now, some candidates who sat for the West African Senior High School Certificate Examinations, WASI, say they are hopeful of an exceptional performance at the end of their examination. Over 400,000 candidates drawn from 975 schools are sitting for this year's WASI. The examination, which commenced on July 31, is expected to end on Tuesday, September 26, 2023. Here are some candidates of the WASI speaking to City News. The orals wasn't bad and we started with French and today we wrote social. It wasn't bad as well and we are expecting good results in social. I'm expecting good results because social today it was easy. All that we learned was what came and I thank God for it. So for the orals I felt it was something just cool because we had done several um let's say revisions on it before i entered the hall and i've started for the social studies too i feel like it's a cool something because um, our examinations and our works we've had so far has made it quite cool but i'm hoping for the best because after everything so far i graded myself from e one to the wasi it should lie from e1 to c6 you had some candidates sitting for this year's edition of the WASI. Now, the state attorney is handling the case of the police inspector who is alleged to have killed his girlfriend at Idum in Kumasi, have requested additional time to prepare and file witness statements. The court has therefore granted their request and adjourned the case till September 19, 2023. At the last sitting, a seven-member jury was assembled to meticulously review all evidence presented during the trial. Despite being charged with murder, the accused, Ahmed Chumis he maintained his plea of not guilty. After the court proceedings, the head of the deceased family, Nana Adoberuma, spoke to journalists. Our lawyer said that uh, he has uh, about two of three uh, evidence to enter into the case. So he don't want to. He don't want the court to start before he brings the evidence in in the in the mat, in the case matter. So he just want to bring two evidence. So he started to uh, uh, beg the judge to give uh, some time to gather the evidence so that we can start the proceeding. So the judge advised all the court to let the evidence enter into the case so that on the 19th of September we start proceeding. You heard the head of the family for a woman who was allegedly killed by police inspector Ahmed Chumisi at Edum in Kumasi Nana Adu Perima. Now, though the police in the Upper East region are investigating an alleged attempt to assassinate the National Democratic Congress's constituency chairman for Benjuri Martin Ariku on Saturday, the district chief executive DC of the area, Yakubu Ayinga, tells City News the attempted assassination resulted in a clash between the suspected assassins and community members, leading to the death of three of the assailants. Speaking to City News, the DC said security has been beefed up on the grounds. After the exchange, the one of them died on the spot. The other two ran away and then I think they got the way the, 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 the wounds were so severe that they lost their life. Then the police came and actually take them. The whole area nobody was able to identify any of them until the police sent the cop or the police to the Fuku first hospital 
for doctors to confirm whether they were dead or alive. And doctors confirmed that they were dead. And the families were able to come and identify those people. The uh, 11 mechanized uh, battalion, this military camp in the Vinduri district, is at Bazuade. And it's not far away from where this thing happened. See, the security, they are patrolling. And you know, they can't be at every area at the same time. So that is maybe what resulted to, to, to that. Yakubwa Yinga is the district chief executive of Binduri in the Upper East region. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nashika Caesar. The details. The government saw a 5.63% increase in Treasury bill sales despite rising interest rates. This is according to the Bank of Ghana's auction result for last week. The offer attracted bids amounting to $3.20 billion out of the $3.22 billion of the bids tendered. The following report has more. This increase indicates strong investor demand but also comes with a growing concern over the rising cost of borrowing. Government's target for the auction was $3.05 billion for the 91, 182 and 364-day Treasury bills. But at the end of the auction, $3.22 billion was tendered, out of which $3.2 billion was accepted by the government. The 91-day bill accounted for the highest subscription. It accounted for approximately $2.36 billion of bills tendered, as all offers under that were accepted by the government. The 182-day bill generated about $717.51 million, of which $701.67 million was accepted. The bids for the 364-day bills totaled $146.20 million. The government accepted $143.20 million. Meanwhile, interest rates saw a rise to 31.24% per annum. That was a news desk report on auction of government securities. Moving on, the Ghana Hotels Association has declared a march on August 29 in protest of increased utility tariffs. The group says it has been compelled to demonstrate over what it describes as unfair treatment to the hospitality sector by the Public Utilities and Regulatory Commission, PRC. The protest will begin at the International Press Centre in Accra and end at the office of the PURC. President of the Association, Dr. Edward Akanyamike speaking ahead of tomorrow's protest said members are also suffering, suffocating rather, under the rise in property prices, making the sector uncompet- uncompetitive. He's been speaking to City Business News. The media issue is the PRC. However, we have five other points that we would wish to talk about. We are going to talk about the COVID 19 levy which is still on our staff's books. We will also talk about the new property rate payment regime that has led to the astronomical increases in property rates. We will also look at the administration of the tourism development fund, the 1% tourism development fund, and then the public-private partnership forum, its implementation, which we believe it's being underutilized. These are the five things.
the PRC. So the matter is that it's a protest against the unfair treatment from the PRC. This is a purely hotel industry protest match. However, we do know that uh, other businesses are affected by this, especially with regard to the February, March, April, and May tariff increase. So we wouldn't be surprised if other businesses join us. Dr. Edward Akanyamike is president of the Ghana Hotels Association. Away from that, the Ghana Microfinance Institution's network is pushing for the establishment of a national microfinance policy. According to the network, the policy, when fully implemented, will sanitize the industry and reflect the views of major stakeholders. Yao Jemfi is the executive director of the Ghana Microfinance Institution's network, and he spoke on the sidelines of the second annual Non-Bank Financial Institutions Award and dinner in Accra. I think largely what we are doing is to have what you call microfinance policy for the country. And this, the idea of this policy is to give us a certain direction. Because um, in the past, we have done the microfinance activity. But um, a lot of people are doing it on their own terms as to how they understand it. So we want to have a culture of what microfinance must do in this country. Once we do that, like any other jurisdiction where microfinance is really applied, the country has an agenda for it. They know what they are supposed to do, so you don't find yourself wanted. The draft, um, I must admit, we've, we've come very far. What we are doing now is to get what you call views from certain quarters. So, for instance, we are engaging the academia to find out whether what we've done really meets purpose. Then the central bank, the Ministry of Finance, um, the practitioners themselves, microfinance practitioners. So what we did was that we, did, we had a first round before we did a draft, and then we are doing the second round this month up to September ending, where we'll go to the various regions, gather them, get their views on what we've done. And I think by the time we are done, we'll, we'll get a better way to look at microfinance in this country. Yao Jemfi is the executive director of the Ghana Microfinance Institutions Network. Moving on to Tal Energies is set to roll out the distribution of some 100,000 crash helmets to Okada riders in Ghana and beyond. The company notes that the project named Helmet for Life, which is part of its corporate social responsibilities, aims to reduce the number of road crashes caused by the neglect of helmets. Speaking at a ceremony in Accra on Monday, which saw the distribution of more than 200 crash helmets to Okada riders, managing director for Total Energy's marketing Ghana, Olufemi Babanji expressed his belief that a Helmet for Life campaign will also contribute to global road safety standards. Through this initiative, we want to make quality helmets available to drivers of motorcycles so that this can contribute to the prevention of fatalities and or serious injuries sustained in road accidents. We also want to actively raise awareness amongst drivers. We believe this operation also will contribute to the objectives of the global safe and affordable helmet campaign, which is being done by the United Nations. The Helmet for Life initiative in Ghana will be held in six different locations, uh, two across Accra, in Aflau, in Kumasi, and in Tamale. And um, we would like to express our profound gratitude to the National Road Safety Authority, to the MTTD of Ghana Police Service for their unwavering support, as well as to the National Okada Riders Association, and to all the participants gathered here today. We hope that you shall take away essential knowledge to aid your ride safely.
Olufemi Babanji is the managing director of Total Energies Marketing in Ghana. Now, Access Bank has signed a memorandum of understanding MOU with Deloitte Ghana, aiming to enhance the growth and resilience of trade associations and SMEs in Ghana. As a store supporter of SMEs, Access Bank has dedicated the last three years to bolstering and empowering small and medium-scale enterprises through initiatives such as capacity-building clinics and workshops. In an interview with City Business News, Kafri Bimpe Group Head for Business Banking at Access Bank articulated the bank's vision for MSMEs extending beyond the signing of the MOU. So this is a business interaction series MOU that we have executed with uh, Deloitte & Touche. It is uh, a build-up on a series of workshops that we have held in the past to support SMEs in terms of acquisition of knowledge, skills to enable them manage their businesses well. We are not in business just to give them finance or money or loans. We also have the responsibility or the duty to ensure that those loans are put to the best use so that they can derive the maximum benefit from it. That is the reason why we have chosen the path to educate our SME customers and give them skills that they need to be able to um, manage their business in a sustainable manner and to be able to develop themselves or scale up to the levels of multinationals that we see today. I am happy that we signed this MOU today. Kafui Bimpe's group head for business banking at Axis Bank. Finally, the national coordinator for the UNDP Global Environment Facility Small Grant Program, Dr. George Austin, is strongly advocating for the country to revive biomass energy production as an alternative source of energy for businesses and individual households. He sees biomass as a low-cost energy source capable of absorbing excess carbon emissions. Dr. George Austin urged the government to consider allocating enough budgetary resources to biomass production. What we are advocating for, and that is what I have been working on, is sustainable energy for the rural people. It is the only way we can use to break the cycle of poverty. Ghana, first and foremost, need to embrace the challenges of the day by ensuring that a large sum of the government's budgetary allocation is given to the rural energy sector. Dr. George Austin is the national coordinator of the UNDP Global Environment Facility Small Grants Program. And that's it for City Business News and Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. I'm Nashika Siza. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sandama. Tonight on Point Blank, we're looking at two issues for you. The government's planting for food and jobs. Phase 2 has been launched today in the northern regional capital, Tamale, by the president. We'll be hearing from the government on what the plan is. be going to parliament where the ad hoc committee set up by the speaker to investigate that leaked tape in which tape there was a plot to remove IGP Dampari has become a subject of controversy the committee has started sitting its first witness is a man at the center of the recording a former Northern Regional Chairman of the New Patriotic Party, Daniel Bugri Nabu. He was before the committee and answered questions. Let's listen to some of the things he said. Do you see yourself connected with the, the, the tape you just heard? As, as, uh, my voice is there. Very good, very good, okay. Would you be good enough to tell us the rest of the individuals that you were engaged in that conversation with? Well, uh, one, Commander Asari. Okay, please go slowly, yes. Police Commander. Yes. But I don't know which district or which region or which section is command. Okay. But I was, he introduced himself to me when he came to my office. Okay. That he was a police commander based at the police headquarters. And uh, so uh, I asked him, what is, where does he know me? Mm. And he told me that during the time of political campaign, 2014, 2015, 2016, I used to come to war with the president, the vice president, and the shop. And I know that yeah, if he says so, it's just true. Okay. Who is the other individual apart from uh, Commissioner Sari? That was on tape. Uh, apart from Commander Sari, uh, there was one man also later joined, called Commander uh, C.O.P. Mensah. Okay. That he's on leave now, prior to his retirement. Yeah, he was also part of it. Yes. Mm. So you were only three. Then later, when the meeting were going on. One, I didn't see the person. It was on phone. 
one JB uh, JB who is also a, a police superintendent at the police headquarters, but I haven't seen him. He, he was he talked to me on phone, and uh, I listened to him on phone. Okay. So, where is the location of your office? Where this like I did that the taping took place. Uh, my office at Osu. Osu. Get direct opposite Osu Police Station. So you want to tell this uh, committee that all that was said on the tape is valid. Oh, is valid. So that's Daniel Bugrinabu, former Northern Regional Chairman of the New Patriotic Party. He has authenticated that audio, the audio recording, and he has named names. The committee is chaired by the Honorable Samuel Atachia. He's a former minister and member of parliament for Ibuakwa South. Chairman of the committee, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Yes, very much grateful to you. Now, he made a fundamental confirmation which I believe would be the basis for you proceeding even further. Because if he had denied that that was not his voice, then you may have to then go to look for forensic experts and so on. But he made your job easy, didn't he? By saying that that was his voice and even helping you with who else was on the tape. And even admitting that he did the recording himself. Very much so, you know. This is what they call a positive judicial confession. And what more do you need? A man affirms on oath and says that this is uh, my voice on the tape. I did a recording and the individual voices who are with me are the following. I think that is the basic raw material which we are going to work I see. So if he says it is what it is, then what's the point of continuing the investigation? What Yapong Nanyasa? I do not think so, because you see, um, the matters on the tape are far-reaching. So the senior police officers, I mean, who yielded themselves to this arrangement, to be called. In fact, we will not do natural justice to them if we don't call them. Is it the case that you were with um, uh, Namon Adda, alias uh, Mr. Bugri Nabu, and have you heard it? You heard of your voice on the table. Is that you? Yes. And then we'll see. And then we'll be able to get a good sense of all that happened. So we owe it to them to appear before the committee to confirm or deny their own voices on the tape. And then we'll take it out from there. Now, if they come and confess, what is the committee looking out for? So they've said that they are the ones who spoke. Are you going to pronounce guilty verdict on them or you are going to caution and discharge them? Well, I do not think um, uh, in the giving our remit, we can do anything more than making recommendations and where there are professional breaches of their, their, their work. And we should underline the breaches, you know, where a man will want to be in cahoots with another man with the aim of trying to undermine an IGP because of a perception that the IGP would not give MPP his electoral fortunes 2024. You were know, not employed as a, a senior police officer or even a policeman, I mean, to, to go into some of these matters. And there are also issues as to whether or not 
an IGP can determine an election, which uh, some of us, we don't want to say so many things, but they are, they are, they are far-reaching consequences. When is your next sitting? Who should we expect before the committee? Because there's this issue of you not able to reach some of the persons on the on the tape. Well, we 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 we, we could do that, but what we wanted to do was that to come and authenticate the tape and give us the names to confirm what we know. Because we've done some background checks already anyway. So um, our next sitting is on Thursday. COP George Alex Mensa will appear. Superintendent Lassander Asari will appear. And Superintendent Emmanuel Jebi will also appear. These are the three individuals of importance that have to appear before the committee on Thursday. Very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us, sir. My pleasure, as always. That's Honorable Samuel Atacha. He's MP for Buakwa South, former Minister for Works and Housing and Chairman of that ad hoc committee of parliament investigating the Bugri Nabu tip. Let's talk about agriculture now. The government has a planting for food and jobs program. Today, the president went to Tamale, the northern regional capital, and launched phase two of the planting for food and jobs program. The president's newest minister for agriculture is the MP for Betifi, Honorable Brian Echampo. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you and good evening to your listeners. Good evening. Before you move to class two, you should have gotten a terminal report for class one that says you are promoted to class two. What is the report card on planting for food and jobs one saying, for which reason we had to escalate to class two? Well, uh, if you know the questions that were set in class one, then you'll appreciate the answers that were um, uh, sorry, the, the scores that were given uh, for those answers. So I'm sure that uh, for those who set the objective of, of class one, um, it has been very successful. Does it mean that the PFG one is completed, the books are closed on that, and if it is successful, how do we see it? How verifiable is that claim that there was a success? Is food well, in abundance, I, for instance? Is food uh, less expensive and so on? What parameters are we using to measure? Well, I don't think that um, anybody said that there will be an abundance of food uh, anywhere. But as long as we don't have a shortage of food, it means that the program um, has been uh, successful. And that was one key objective, to be able to stabilize uh, production on our key crops, um, and, and, and the program was able to do that. Um, the 2.7 uh, million farmers that have been able to increase their fertilizer application from 8 kilograms to 25 kilograms uh, per hectare across the country is an indicator that the program uh, has been uh, successful. Uh, so there are quite some good uh, metrics that were established from the beginning at the government end. Uh, and that makes the... Um, the, the those with the marking scheme being able to judge with certainty that the program has been successful. Now let's talk about Chapter 2. What are the key things that are contained in the PFJ 2 that was launched today? Well, um, the, the key um, 
avenues for the, the delivery of the plantings of food and job phase one was a subsidy program. And that is where government uh, year on year subsidizes fertilizers, seeds, and in some cases, mechanization uh, services. Um, the subsidy, as was being done, doesn't really solve the key problems um, that we need to transform our agriculture, which is access to credit, access to uh, me- uh, mechanization, access to improved seed and quality uh, fertilizers. Um, the subsidy program in itself was not answering those questions. And if you look at if you look at our population growth uh, and where we are going uh, with the country's agriculture, then the subsistence way of doing things will no longer take us where we want to go. And therefore, the switch in, in, in trying to establish um, a massive access to credit, um, massive access to improved access to um, agro inputs, which is the fertilizers and agrochemicals uh, to be able to push our agri to where we want all the, we all want the numbers to be. Now, what are the key foods that are going to be on the agenda? Is it that um, planting for food and jobs phase two has a target crop that you are looking at? Do you want to share those crops with us if there's anything like that? Well, absolutely. Um, we have, uh, we're going to focus first on the uh, foods that are important uh, to Ghanaians that contributes to our, our dietary needs. So for vegetables, we're looking at onions, peppers, tomatoes, uh, the famous onions and, and tomatoes. For uh, grains, uh, we're looking at maize, soya, uh, grains, soya, uh, rice, and sorghum, uh, which are the grains and legumes. And then for plantain, tubers, and roots, we are looking at plantain itself. We are looking at uh, cassava. We are looking at yam. And then we are also um, focusing on one one protein, which is uh, poultry. And the focus in poultry will be on broiler. When you mention these targeted crops, what should we expect? What duration are we working with? Well, we are clear in our mind that uh, on these 10, uh, 10 crops and poultry, uh, with the five-year development plan that has been developed in five years, which is a new marking scheme that we are setting for ourselves as a country, not a marking scheme that, that Brian Champo is setting for his household, but as a country, Ghana, this is a new marking scheme that in five years, we should be food self-sufficient in tomato, in onion, in pepper, in rice, maize, cassava, legume, and yam planting. We should, in five years, be self-sufficient and to be able to export uh, 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 these produce that we crop and also in poultry. Now, for some of the annoying ones that uh, we think that is even an embarrassment, which is the importation of onions and tomatoes, we don't really want to get to five years. We want to make sure that by two and a half, three years, we are self-sufficient in, in, in those ones. So this is the new marketing scheme under planting for food and jobs 2.0. Do we have the farmlands for it? Do we have the necessary inputs that we have put in place? Do we have the technology that is required for this, um, that, this agenda of ours? 
five years yeah. very audacious isn't it no my um I'm, I'm in tamale at the moment and tamale has almost three million uh, i think to, to be at that 2.8 million um in in in, in land 2.8 million hectares of land of which about 2.3 million is arable of the 2.3 million arable land in in northern region not the northern sector five regions i'm talking about just northern region with the 2.3 million uh, hectares of land only six about 800,000 is being cropped all of the netherlands all of the netherlands they crop on just uh, uh, 2 million hectares of land yet they are the second largest exporters of agricultural produce in the world. So if Tamale alone has more arable land, sorry, not Tamale, if northern region with its capital as Tamale has more arable land than the whole of Netherlands, then you can bet that the whole Republic of Ghana has more arable land to deliver on this agenda than than before. And do we have the resources for the farmers that they would require fertilizer and all those other inputs that would be required? So that is exactly what Planting for Food and Jobs is coming to cure. Today, with the subsidy program, for example, if fertilizer is 100 Ghana seeds, the government was given a subsidy of 80, um, uh, sorry, 15%. And so you need to still go and pay 85 Ghana cities, and this is an example, a hypothetical situation. You need to go and pay 85 Ghana cities, okay, out of pocket to buy the subsidized fertilizer. What we are saying is that you don't have to, because if you have to pay out of pocket to Umaru, you need to borrow. And we know if you are Umaru Sanda and you are going to borrow, you're going to pay about 35% on the 85 Ghana cities that you are borrowing. So we are saying that even if you, without a subsidy, if you add, if you, under the PSG program, you just give the fertilizer to the person at 100 Ghana cities. Let them pay the full price. But this time round, we are encouraging the, the fertilizer suppliers with the backing of government, using government's power to assure Yara that give the fertilizer to Umaru Sanders. Umaru Sanders' farm has been polygon mapped. We know when you crop, the extension officers are with you. When you harvest your crop, we will take maize to the tune of 100 Ghana cities to go and pay the fertilizer. So you realize that unlike previously, where the farmer is going to take 85 cities to go and buy the supplied fertilizer, this time round, the farmer is getting the fertilizer at a full price, but he doesn't have to borrow any money to go and get the fertilizer. Same for seeds, same for fertilizer. Uh, sorry, same for seeds, um, same for uh, machinery services. So today, as I, I mentioned during the lunch, if you want to go into agriculture, Umaru, um, as, I, as I put it, you once you have the land and you have the right to crop on the land, government will facilitate for you to get what it takes from land development, seeds, fertilizer, for you to be able to, 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 to crop. And yeah. when you have cropped, we will take the portion of the investment that we, the, 
that was committed to you to pay for those who gave you the crop. That is a new system that we're going to run. Very well. I have an acre at Australia Junction. I would come to you with a request. And uh, I'm sure I'm just going to fold my arms and watch you help me develop. Well, Thank that, you. That is, that is actually, uh, that is how you watch TV. <laughs> if you want to go into agriculture, the module is different. We will assign you I wear to well in team I wear well in team boots. I will assign you to aggregator and make sure that when you collect the inputs of inputs, you go and farm so that we can get our money back. <laughs> Thank you so much for speaking to us and I wish you all the best, sir. Thank you. We need it. That's Honorable uh, Brian Champong, MP for IBTV and Minister for Agriculture. That's how we enter this edition of Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sanda Amado. I did this with... Um, Nashika Caesar. Production by Kobna Wilson, Bevelyn London, Sami Uyafi. Technical support from Daniel Squashi. New media support from Edwin Kwakofi. We return tomorrow at 17.30 GMT with Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. The relevant radio always. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973.